0: Well, that was a nice little uh, mellow intro for an episode that's going to be all about taking it light and easy. (laughs) Um, So, uh, you know, Angela and I were talking last week and uh, we we thought about, you know, what can we do for a topic coming up? And she said, let's do something light and easy. And uh, I said, that's a really good idea. So that's what we're going to (laughs) do. And we didn't really know what to talk about, but we do have a lot of questions and answers that that we prepared for the Q&A episode. So that that will be um, something that we can do and uh, maybe just get some feedback from you all too. You know, uh, you're part of this um, podcast, so you can call us, you can text your comments into the um, chat feature in Facebook and so forth. Um, Angela, I thought I might start way, by um, reading some news and some events that are coming up. Does that sound okay for you? Yeah, sure. Well, one thing I wanted to announce is on August the twenty ninth, um, there's going to be a webinar that's being put on by the Free Thinkers um, Living Sober Group from Verde, Arizona, Verde Valley, Arizona, and it's called Emotional Sobriety, and it's going to feature Dr. Alan Berger, Maria Hornbacher, Josie, and John R from the Free Thinkers Living Sober Group will be the moderator, and that's going to start at noon um, Pacific Daylight Time. It's going to go from noon to three. That's so that's three to six Eastern Daylight Time, and so that should that should be pretty good. That should be pretty interesting. Hey Tracy, how you doing? Good to see you there. And so, yeah, and Dr. Allen Berger, he wrote a book on emotional sobriety. And there, in his website, it's got some really interesting information. I think that we talked about that at one time. And then Maria Hornbacher, if you're not familiar with her, she wrote the book Waiting, A Nonbeliever's Higher Power. And her writing is just wonderful. So, And she's a great speaker. So that should be really an interesting um, thing to do. And you can register for that. Um, just go to the um Oh, gosh, I'll put a link out there for you so you can find it. But um, it's also, if you go to the events page on the Secular AA website, you can find it as well. But here's a little link. There you go. Cool. Go there. Yeah, you can register for the thing.
1: I'm already registered. Yeah, I am too. But (laughs) you got it in there.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so people can find that. And then something else I thought I'd announce, this is hard to believe that this is happening, but on September the 2nd, AA Beyond Belief would be five years old. We've been doing this Whoa. for five years. I know, can't believe that it.
1: That is wild.
0: Yeah, the first podcast episode was September 13th of 2015. And it was like a little 15 minute blurb I did of uh, talking about what I thought the podcast would be and so forth. And you know, it's interesting, it, it's actually unfolded the way that I thought it might, you know, um, it's, it's an opportunity for people to share their stories as, you know, um, secular people in AA. And, uh, we've kind of branched out a little bit, did, got to interview some authors and, oh uh, we did movie reviews and now we're doing live streams. So we've done some different things, but it's been a lot of fun. It's, it's hard to believe it's been five years. So in September, Angela, we're going to have to do some sort of special episode or something to celebrate.
1: That sounds good. We'll figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> we have several weeks to figure it yeah, out. Yeah, <laughs> we do have
0: several weeks. It'll be here before you know it, though. Mm-hmm. And then um, I, this, I'm i just going to talk about this because I think this is really interesting. I got a letter from the um, London um, Freethinkers Group. It's called the London Agnostic Atheist Freethinkers Group. And they were the group that actually... Um, were responsible for getting the Godword pamphlet published by the General Service Office in um, England, in the United Kingdom. And they wrote me. Actually, they wrote a letter that we're going to post on the AA Beyond Belief um, website on Sunday. But they were writing in response to John John H's um, <laughs> blasting of the of the Godword pamphlet. He called it the Godword delusion. He wrote a thing about it where he just kind of blasted it. And they wrote a very nice response to it. But what I really liked about it was the history that was contained in their letter. They went through, I mean, real a lot of detail about what was involved with getting that pamphlet published in the UK. And it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy at all. And it didn't turn out the way that they wanted it. Um, but they did feel that it was a good start. And I tend to agree with them because you can you can always change it. Now we've got something there that we can add to and change and revise. And I really don't think there'll be a problem doing that. So anyway, that's going to come out Sunday. And I think that, I think that you'll like reading that. It's really interesting. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was, that was, you know, and I met the woman, I can't remember her name, but she was at the Austin conference in 2016. And she was um, somebody who was really instrumental in getting that pamphlet through as well. And she talked about it and she admitted too that. It wasn't perfect. But one thing I found really interesting is that London group who started it, they all wrote stories that they wanted to have put into the pamphlet and not one of their stories was included.
2: Aww. I know.
0: So, I I'm just I want to I reached out to them. I said I I'd like to have them on the podcast because I'd like to know more. Um I'd like to know yeah. do, are those stories still in existence? I'd love to get some of those, you know. So yeah, that was really interesting. I was so glad to hear from them. So something did come good from publishing John's obnoxious (laughs) critique of the Godword pamphlet.
1: (laughs) Yes, he he has a has a voice, and you know, there are people that uh, that stay sober because you know they agree with uh, how he thinks about things. So, you know. Yeah,
0: but you know, it, it, it kind of showed me that it was it was actually useful to put something out like that, because it, it triggered this other group to write, you know, mm-hmm. so it it's, it's, yeah. gives you that dialogue. And their their response was really very polite, very reasonable, reasonable. And and but more than anything, it was informative. So I, I was really, very cool. yeah, I was really excited about that. What else? Oh yeah. ICSA, the international conference of secular AA. We're going to be putting on a, um, online conference this autumn. Um, we don't really have a date yet for it, but it's going to probably be at towards the end of October and it'll be like, um, Oh, kind of like just a mini conference, but it'll be online. So there'll be speakers, there'll be panels and that kind of thing. So, We'll put more information out about that. And if you're interested in participating, um, I'm sure that there'll be room um, for that. So that'll, it'll probably be done on Zoom or something along those lines. Um, so, okay. yeah, I think that's about, yeah, I think that's about <laughs> it. Uh, there is a website for Secular AA that a lot of people don't know about. And it's called aasecular.org. And there's not a lot on there right now, but we're looking for a website a website person. Um, if you know of somebody, if you're interested in being a webmaster for secular AA, um, you know, send me an email, john at org. But right now, the one thing that is on there that I did work on was I put up, um, a pretty comprehensive list of online meetings. It's by, by, certainly it's not complete, but there's a lot of good online meeting information on there and any other event. And if you wanted to add an event on there, you can add your own event. You can add your own, event, you add your own online meeting. So anyone, anyway, oh, So cool. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Nice.
0: So, there's a little bit of news for you? <laughs> Anything that you want to talk about Angela that you that you know of going that's going on that people should know about?
1: Um, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think you covered everything that I know about. Okay. I, I will say happy birthday or happy uh, anniversary or milestone to all the people in our community that is celebrating one today and in the last week. Um, I did see today, particularly, that there are a lot of them in our Facebook group, and uh, and that's really cool. So Yeah,
0: I, yeah. That, that was really nice to see. Um, yeah, there were four or five or six or seven uh, people that were celebrating anniversaries in the Facebook group. So. Yeah, that's, that's fun. That's always good to see that people are getting some support. Here here's a link to the events page at um the Secular AA website there for you.
1: Okay, cool.
0: So, shall we get into the questions and answers? Sure. Well, I've got a list of 20. I've crossed out <laughs> I've crossed out some um okay. I think I'll ask you an easy one first and it it'll, it'll it'll probably trigger some good discussion, I'm hoping. Okay, and I don't know if I have if I have asked you this one, but what was your first AA meeting like? What were your first impressions of the meeting, Angela? Your first meeting.
1: Okay. Well, um, like the first meeting when I got sober. Yeah. Um, because the the first meeting that I went to, I mean, yeah, there there I could take this several ways. You know, there was Al- Alatine, and so that was um you know um an introduction to AA. So I went to technically some AA meetings uh, through that. Um, but um, the first one, so I got sober in September. Um, but in January, uh, there was a major event that happened that uh, made me uh, know, you know, that I needed to, to get sober. Um, and uh, so that's when I looked up AA, and um to see if they'd become you know any less uh religious <laughs> and um and uh, there was the you know a newcomer asks pamphlet and in it it says something along the lines of that a is open to to all people uh you know all religions and non-religion or something like that um and uh and so I'm like, yay, you know, they've, they've progressed. And I <laughs> went to a meeting and they were gotting all over the place. Yeah. And so, yeah, so I'm like, okay, this is not for me. Um, and so I think at that point I went and found a boy, um, at the bar, um, oh wow! <laughs> who uh, had mentioned something about needing to drink less, and uh, and talked him into uh, trying to stay sober with me. So so we were, you know, sober, you know, a sober couple for like a month, and then uh, decided that we were, you know, able to handle that, and so you know, therefore, we must be okay, and went back oh. to, to drinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, so then I didn't um, attempt again until uh, after Burning Man um, that year, because I mean, really, mm-hmm. if you're gonna quit, you might as well, you know, wait till after Burning Man. That's my logic. Sure. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, um, in September of uh, of uh, 2006, yeah, um, I was walking home from the bar, and I was um, I was still um, coherent enough to know that I was so, so depressed and to, you know, consider, um, uh, taking a leap off the bridge, um, over the Boise river. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so I'm looking and, you know, and yeah, and there was just part of me that, um, that wanted to live. So, um, I ended up going home and, uh, and, uh, calling the suicide support Hotline and uh, talking with them, and they directed me to the one of the local emergency rooms to get uh, checked out um, for you know detoxing and all of that stuff, and uh, and then I went to a a place that uh, that at that time it doesn't exist anymore, but that it um, it was kind of like a, a safe house type. Place for people who had either mental health or, you know, whatever um, emergencies and uh, was there for um, a couple of days and then got out and went to my first AA meeting and it was in the basement of a Mennonite uh, fellowship. And, uh, just these awful creaky stairs that were too narrow. I mean, they just were not up to code in any way. <laughs> and, um, and I chose that meeting because, uh, you know, probably a, almost a decade before, um, it couldn't have been a decade. Uh so probably like 5 years before, um a friend of mine's boyfriend got sober and uh he talked about this meeting in particular um having good snacks. And oh. so I decided <laughs> on my meeting based snacks. on snacks. <laughs> yeah. And um you know and it was scary but um it was one of those ones where they go around the room and you have to introduce yourself and say, you know, that you're an alcoholic. And so each person goes around and, and does it. They don't say sobriety dates, which some meetings do. But this one was just the, and, uh, you know, and I said it and I don't know, something about it made me feel at home. And it could have just been like from my allotene years that, you know, it felt familiar to me. Um, and, uh, and I, you know, listened in the meeting and they called on me, even though I didn't raise my hand, um, or, you know, volunteer. Um, and I said that, you know, that I was an alcoholic and that I uh, don't know if I could do this cause I'm an atheist. And, um, and they gave me a 24 hour coin and, uh, and then two women wrote down their phone numbers for me. Um, and one of them I wouldn't call because she was a neighbor and I was sure she was spying on me. And then uh, the other one said that she really needed me to call. And so, you know, being part, um, you know, codependent, I, I'm like, well, if she needs me to call. You know, I don't want her to go out because I didn't call her. And uh, and so that's what started my my sobriety was, uh, that meeting and, uh, called her the next day and she asked how it was. And I said awful. And she's like, great. Um, go to a meeting and call me t- in the morning. And so she was my temporary sponsor until, um, people could direct me to a, a group that had more free thinking people in it. And that's where I, I met my first sponsor.
0: I remember how about you. Oh, you know, I, I'll tell you about that, but I remember you telling me about you being an allatine. Did you like being an allatine
1: when you were a kid? Did I like it? Um, yeah, actually, yeah. I well, when I started, I was, I think, I was twelve, and so, and so, yeah. So there were there was something about it. Um, I think it's it's really more helpful for kids in that age group, um, as well. So younger younger teens, um, barely teens or preteens, um, and uh, yeah, it gave me some people to hang out with that that. It, it felt normal to talk about, you know, your parents being alcoholics uh-huh. and the stupid things they did or, yeah. you know, not visiting you or, you know, um, yeah. I bet, that was a, I
0: bet that was a relief. It probably yeah, gives you some was, good skills for later in life too.
1: Well, that's, that was the idea, but a lot of us <laughs> ended up in AA. Some of you still end up in AA
2: anyway. But. So,
1: yeah, I remember one, one of the, uh, teens being the speaker at the annual conference, and and uh, them asking what she wanted to do when she grew up, and she said, hopefully not be an AA. There you go. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, um, so. Yeah, it was, it was good. I think, um, that I did a lot of social stuff with those, those guys. We went to like the local conferences and hung out and went to the pool and, and things, you know. Um, and, uh, the, uh, the Alatine sponsors were, were cool people. Um, and, uh, and, oh, I remember one of them gave me a sponsor bear um did you ever have sponsor bears no i never heard of such a thing it it was a teddy bear that had a um a t-shirt on it that said sponsor and then you'd squeeze it and it'd say things like one day at a time and uh, (laughs) take it easy and you know all the slogans so yeah so it was a, a a speaking sponsor bear pretty clever and uh yeah yeah so that was fun um but, yeah, that's kind of my my um, take on it. There was some difficulties I saw as I, I got older. I remember at 14 noticing uh, some of the other kids in the group uh, spending what, you know, my adult self would probably say uh, too much time with some of the, the guys in AA. Um, and so, you know, um, but uh, in general, I think for preteens, it, it really was a, a good place um, to, to feel normal at a time when you're, you know, not feeling normal. And then, you know, sharing things like, yeah, my mom threw all my dad's stuff out on the lawn and nobody's talking about it. And he just passed out there and blah, blah, blah. And, and uh, you know, and I got all of my mom's stash out and put it next to, you know, the sink so she'd actually drink it because she's being such an awful person. Um, when she tries to get sober, um, and, uh, you know, so things like that, it was, it was, uh, it was good for me at least, I think. Okay.
0: Ed Bree said that she, she has a daughter in Alateen, uh, her Alateen daughter is one of us. And the non alatine daughter is one of those weirdos who can drink one glass of wine at a meal. How about
1: that? <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: my first meeting, Angela was, um, I think I've talked about it before, but it was, um. First of all, I went I went there a couple of times, maybe three or four times uh, to the door, but didn't actually go in. I was just it just was kind of freaky for me to actually go into the go into the meeting itself. But then I was fired from my job. They confronted me um, about my drinking and ended up firing me. And that's what actually got me to go into the meeting itself. And I was the first one in the room. Uh, Nobody else had gotten there yet. So it was just me in a small room, and they had the 12 steps and 12 traditions on the wall. And then eventually somebody came in and offered me some coffee. And he was just a real mellow guy and made me feel kind of relaxed. And uh, the meeting took place, and um, I was nervous. I didn't say anything, Um, but I felt... A sense of hope there. I really, I identified with what the people were saying, but it, what was really powerful for me is, um, when they were sharing their stories about their bottom, I guess what got them into AA, they, they had the same kind of stories that I had and experiences I had, but they were, they were, um, dressed nice, like they were going to work and they seemed like they had themselves together. And I think that's what connected me with this sense that there was something there that could help me. Um, I, I, at the time I, you know, I didn't grow up in a religious person at all. I didn't go to church. I was kind of totally ignorant about religion. And, but at the end when they did the Lord's prayer, it totally shocked me. Totally shocked yeah. me. I think that was the first time ever in my life. I actually held hands and prayed with people. It was really, it was really odd, <laughs> you know, but I was a pretty desperate person. So I didn't yeah. literally let that bother me too much, but yeah, that was, that's what, that was my, my experience anyway. So And by the way, the phones are open if you want to call and share your experience, like what your first meeting was like, or if you have a question you want to ask or anything like that, please do feel free to call whatever you want to talk about. You know, it's 844-899-8278.
1: Yeah, I was prepared for it since I went to Alatine, so I knew that that was going to be there. Yeah, yeah, you were, <laughs> I, I guess, right? you were I hoping that they might have kind yeah. of toned it
0: down a little bit. Yeah, so. since they were
1: guarding all over the place at the last one, then, you know, pretty sure that the Lord's Prayer was going to be there. But uh, I didn't say it. I, I did held ha- hold hands and just uh, sat there. Um and, uh, and yeah, and it was actually helpful when, you know, I think a, a month or so later, someone, you know, came up to me and said, you know, one of these days you are going to have to start saying the Lord's prayer and, and I, I think that's that could be one of the things that kept me going to AA as an atheist, it was like, no, I'm not. And so in order to prove that, it requires me to stay in AA. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I can't just get sober and leave. Uh, you know, that proves that I can get sober without God, but uh, but it doesn't prove that, you know, the Lord's Prayer thing. So. And speaking so, yeah. of
0: that, speaking of the God thing, too, um, I have a question here that, is often debated in the Facebook groups. Oh, yes, it is. Um, what are your thoughts about spirituality?
1: What are my thoughts about spirituality? Um, tough one. Yeah, that that is because um, I I don't know. I don't usually debate it. No, um, you know, I, I try yeah, to stay yeah, out of you know, too. So so it's like it's not really that important to me what uh what other People uh, think it's just if uh, if they they want to you know make me think uh, like them or insist right, that the way they me. think about right. so yeah so I, I often disagree with with people even in the the group and stuff who say well you know yeah this or if you believe in this then you're not right. uh, an atheist or you're not this or or whatever you know I, I just find most of that really uh, not helpful um, so. So yeah, I I don't know. I, I guess, you know, if if using the term spirituality is helpful, then cool, use it. Um I know that uh, some people hate that word more than God. Um, you know, so they're okay with using like god language, but they don't like the word spirituality and and so there's there's all sorts of, you know, different uh ways to think about it and and consider it. Yeah. Uh for some people they really like the term spiritual because as most of them say, it comes from, you know, a Latin word that means to breathe and, you know, you know, so there's, you know, things like that that can be helpful in it. Um, and uh, and it's uh, it's a good way to be able to stay within, you know, some traditional um groups and still be able to speak and be a part of um, if you use language in terms of spirituality. Um, so I think it can be helpful in a lot of ways. And also people are just at different levels in their thinking and their life story and stuff. And and so I don't want to take anything away from oh, them. Oh, have a caller. Like, yeah. Okay. You want to take it?
0: <laughs> Shall we?
2: I hope <laughs> sure. if this
0: is the person I argued with last week, I will apologize to him. Okay. Hello, hello, hello.
2: Hello, can you hear me?
0: Oh, I hear you. How are you?
2: <laughs> this is
0: Fred in Virginia. Oh my goodness, I should have known that was you, Fred. What's up with you?
2: <laughs> I I was listening to you question about spirituality. Okay. And I was thinking of the, the six senses. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, when you when you see, touch, feel, and all those things, but when somebody smiles at you, it's out of the realm of feelings, yet you know somebody likes you. Oh. So that's that's all you have to think about. Oh, I Is like that, that. If somebody's smiling at you, they, maybe they like you. I don't like that. Well, thank so, you.
0: Thank you for the comment. I, I, I kind of like that. You know, I, the way I feel about spirituality is it's just basically language. I don't really get hung up about it. Um, when I was first um, coming to my, you know, realizing I was an atheist and I was an AA and everything, I was going to maintain my spiritual outlook um, because that's all I knew. But over time, I just kind of evolved into a more practical approach so that um, I don't really use that language, but I'm okay with it when other people do. And like you said, Angela, as long as someone doesn't tell me that I need to do as they are doing, then I'm okay with whatever anyone does. Um, what I And I kind of like it. I kind of like the fact that there's enough diversity, even amongst us atheists and agnostics, that some of us are spiritual, you know, and some of us aren't, you know, and I think that's, Great. I don't really have a problem with it. But, yeah, to me, it's just language. It's just the way you you choose to describe something, you know, and it's kind of like poetry or music or something like that. But I I just I tend to be more of a practical person now and just kind of, you know, just talk about what I actually do, I guess, rather than what I believe. So, well, thanks for calling, um, Fred. It's nice nice to hear I, from I, you wait, again. I, got another,
2: I have another comment, if okay, you go ahead. I was thinking Angela's uh, Angela, what mm-hmm. about the back side of, of, of a spirituality, where you have a, a, somebody that you had as a relative in a life that you remember uh, from the past that has influenced you through some odor of, of, of smell or, or taste that you remember something that they did for you, and you recall something they said like a premonition that would be a most interesting thing, don't you think?
1: yeah, that would be interesting i'm I'm not sure that uh that I've ever experienced that but but it would be interesting, yeah yeah, um you know i i find it interesting i i know someone who's atheist that goes to um goes to church um because she likes the way that it feels the community yeah.
0: well fred thank you again for calling i'm going to go ahead and uh, let you go now so we can uh, move on but thank you very much for calling i always appreciate your calls into the into the show and uh, it's always it's always nice to talk to you i don't know what
2: happened to the phone I mm-hmm. thank you for I don't. I couldn't hear what your comments were.
0: Oh, you couldn't hear? You can't hear me now. You know, uh,
2: uh, barely, barely, barely now. I don't know what happened to the phone. I'm sorry. Okay, it's okay. I, I it's... wish a good, good show. Thank All you. All right.
0: Take care. Take care, Fred. Bye bye. Yeah, you know, I try something different with the phone every once in a while, and uh, like, there's two ways. Of, this is really kind of geeky. There's two ways of doing the phone. I'm not going to get into it. I'm trying. I'm trying way two, which is a little bit different. okay i'm trying to get a better quality but anyway there you go <laughs> so sonia i did she came to her first um meeting I, am i getting this right she she okay she went to some traditional meetings but she was turned off um so she learned about secular meetings and she came back and i guess she came to a meeting where me and joe were at and then she came to the kansas city meetings and she's going to those and I'm still not going to those, but I'm glad that you're going. Um, and uh, that's kind of cool. I'm glad. Glad to hear that. I'm glad yeah, to hear that.
1: Very cool. Very cool. Congratulations.
0: S- yeah, congratulations.
1: And
0: I got another question uh, kind of along these lines. Um, I, don't, I think I actually know how you're going to answer this one, <laughs> but I'll just go ahead and ask it anyway. Um, it's kind of interesting. So, do, would you find it difficult to sponsor someone who's a believer? No. No, I wouldn't either.
1: Yeah. So I, because I have. Yeah, um, I know you have. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. and, and, yeah.
0: You know, I, I would have no problem with it whatsoever. You know, I really yeah. wouldn't. You know, yeah. I think it's great. It's easy for me to see. You know, like if someone if someone um, relies on a power grid of themselves that's external from them to um, do the same things that we do, um, I'm fine. Great. You know, I, I I I would encourage that. You know, I would have no problem with that either. So. And I know it works right. the other way too. I mean, there are people out there mm-hmm. who are believers who wouldn't really have any issue sponsoring someone who doesn't believe. So,
1: right. Yeah. yeah. There, there are, you know, lots of people like that as well, but yeah. Um, one of the people I'm sponsored, it's been over 10 years now. Um, and she's LDS, um, Mormon. And, uh, Yeah, and so, so, and we, we differ um, politically in just about every way, and, uh, and yet this, um, this works really well. And I learn a lot from her um, as well, and she's contributed to my sobriety. Um, It helped me to think about things in different ways and, and uh, continue to seek out alternate ways of explaining things. Um, And, uh, and I, so I think it's helped a lot of people. So not just her and I, um, but yeah, I I think we all do basically the same things. Um, ideally, um, you know, I am a little biased in thinking that, uh, because, um, a lot of us, um, who are secular have to translate things, uh, that, uh, I feel like we have a better idea of what, uh, the steps are about and, um, and, uh, the principles behind them and such. Um, but again, I am biased in, in that and, uh, and yeah, so no, I, I don't think that it's a problem. And, um, and it, it brings me to a question that I was going to, you know, ask you, but it kind of goes along the same lines on that, um, like, uh, I've seen a lot of questions, uh, in our group about sponsorship, uh, during the, you know, pandemic. So new people coming in, uh, discovering secular AA and, and, uh, your podcast and, uh, the group and stuff and wondering how to get a sponsor, um, or, you know, go through the steps. So I wondered what your thoughts were about, uh, about, you know, as a newcomer, if you were coming in right now, what do you think would be, uh, the best way to uh, approach
0: that. It's really interesting that there are people that are coming into AA, their first experience with it being online to the zoom meetings. And that is really interesting. You know um, it does give you a whole different twist on things. Um, you know, I guess that uh, I guess I did benefit from sponsorship when I was, when I was uh, getting sober early on um, and I had different sponsors during different phases of my development, I guess. In the very beginning, though, my first sponsor was the guy who walked into my first meeting with that, with that and offered me the coffee. And he was so great during those first, you know, nine months, I guess, when he just basically encouraged me to just go to meetings. He said, don't you worry about anything else. Just go to meetings. And he and and he was right that's really what i needed at that time was just to kind of go to meetings and kind of soak things in but then after a while i did move on to another sponsor where we we uh, cuz i was interested in and in doing the steps like i've been hearing other people doing and and you know it was helpful we did it the way that we did it back then but i would say for someone now um you know i i, I wouldn't rush i don't think you need to really rush into it i think you might I think, I think there should be some caution. Um, I think that, you know, I would recommend going to meetings and getting to know people and maybe, maybe you can, you can make friends, um, from some of the people that, um, from these meetings, you know, a lot of the meetings will, um, people will talk and chat afterwards for 10 or 15 minutes. And, and, uh, you can also even ask during a meeting, you know, um, if is if, if anybody would you know be willing to talk to you afterwards and, and people would be, um, and that that would be a good thing to do, and then maybe establish some trust, you know. And uh, so if there's somebody that one where you're comfortable with the person, then then that you might that might be a good uh, fit where you, that person can help you um, through the path that they've traveled, you know. Um, so I think I think that would probably be a good approach. I, I would be, I, and i i i always I always caution um, when with sponsorship. I, I don't I don't think that I don't think it's um, I think that more than more often than not it's a good experience, but you do have to you do have to be somewhat careful but um i think me i don't know maybe online is a little bit safer, I don't know, but um yeah, I don't know if that's a good answer or not but then what what once you get a sponsor uh, and it's someone who is familiar with going through the process of the steps in a secular way. Um, just remember that they're just sharing their experience and your experience might be similar to theirs. It might be very different than theirs. Um, But that's all we can do with each other is share our experience. And that's what a a good sponsor will do is this was my experience. This is how I went through it. And they just kind of guide you through um, the process, you know, based upon their experience. And um, you know, that's, that's how I see it anyway. So
1: Right, yeah, our stories or our experiences are superpower. Um, a friend Eli likes to say, um, but yeah, I I would go along the same things. Um, what I'm noticing is that uh, you know if you're new uh, going to Zoom meetings and uh, finding a couple that you really like and consistently showing up so that people can get to know you. Um, you know, and it's pretty much the same. In, you know, when we're doing in-person meetings, is that oftentimes people will you know help you out and, and uh, give you their phone number to call and stuff. Um, but you know, some of the some of us don't always do it right away because we've seen so many people go in and out. And um, and so seeing you know someone show up consistently at a meeting um, helps us trust that this is something that uh, that you want to do. Um, and so yeah, so getting to know people um that way is is one way and and hearing their stories and seeing if you know um, it sounds like they you know would be able to help you you know they, it might not be a good fit or a good match you know maybe you're somebody that really wants somebody who's kind of more like a, a boot camp drill sergeant type thing um because you know that's what you need you need more discipline in, in your life um, and so that person would you know there are people like that that can help you out and uh, for a lot of us for me i did not need that I already have that in my head and so I needed somebody who could um, who could uh, show me you know, unconditional positive regard, I guess. Um, and that's, you know, what I sought out and, and what I've received in both of my sponsors. Um, and, uh, and then as far as like taking steps, not everybody does, you know, it's not like a requirement, uh, nor is getting a sponsor. Um, you know, if you're, if you're really struggling, then I would definitely try to get a uh, mental health um therapist first. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, if you, you know, and then go that direction um, because uh, that might actually be more helpful um, but I am seeing people um, starting you know secular step groups um, where they talk about the steps and so that's one way to go about it I, I know you know of at least two in, in the California area right now um, but uh, but I know that there's there's several going on also if you're attending meetings I know like in the silver she Devils, that some of the women in there um, just a few of them got together together. together um on their own and went through staying sober without god and so they did the steps using that book in a like three to four person small group format and so that's another way and so Mm -hmm. if you're interested in, in something like that bringing it up at the group that you're zooming into regularly might be a good way to um to do that um so and then as far as sponsorship in general i'm finding um now particularly during the pandemic that um that i i see a lot more of um like just peer advising rather than thinking of things in a sponsorship type of a a um a pattern. So, you know, the traditional sponsorship is somebody who's got a little bit of time and has done the steps and then they take you through the steps and blah, blah, blah. And um, and then it, it just always feels kind of like a, a hierarchy, um, you know, even if it's not intended to. Um, and, uh, and now with Zoom, it seems um, like at least to me, um, in some of the meetings I attend, that that's evened out a little bit, and um, and time, you know, doesn't matter as much, and that people are going to people who. Have the experience that they're seeking. So if somebody's struggling with a teenage, uh, you know, hellion or something, they, they can, you know, um, ask somebody that's shared a little bit about surviving that sober, and um, if they could talk after the meeting or, or, you yeah. know, and so, yeah, and so instead of having like one person that you go to with all of your stuff, um, I think people are starting to, um, to branch out and uh, and have it be more of like a, a peer mentorship and uh, and and so I like that.
0: I do too. I like that a lot. I think that's the way it really probably should be. You know, um, right? Yeah. So yeah, that's that's great. Ed is has a comment going back to can an atheist sponsor someone who's a believer, and he says as an atheist he can help anyone. Though he prefers to help agnostics and atheists, he was even called a God-fearing Christian once after a meeting. But this is what he wrote that I found really interesting. He says, "The language I use is neutral in viewpoint. I talk like an agnostic without coming off as an agnostic." You know what? I can do the same thing. I, th- I find it. You know, that's that's so interesting. I. I you know, it's kind of funny. Um, every once in a while, I've I, like I've done this a couple times. I've spoken at another group, and I didn't. I didn't say that I'm an atheist, right? But I go through my story, and I even talk about the steps a little bit. I never mention God or anything, and nobody nobody's the wiser. No one thinks anything. <laughs> you know, right. they don't they don't pick even they don't even pick up on that I'm an atheist. You know, right. so but and I and I gave them a, a completely secular, you know, yeah. version of my recovery. So yeah, I I can do that too. I think that's really cool that you know that you do that, Ed, because it's. Yeah, you know, it almost is. If you just stick to, you know, your experience and what you did, it's pretty much the same as someone who might believe that there's a God that's helping them with it. So those are that's really interesting. Good comment. Good comment there. So I had another silly question. I'm even afraid to ask it. I will go ahead and ask it though, and you don't have to go into <laughs> a lot of detail on this one. But what rules should we have for an AA Facebook group?
1: Oh, man. <laughs> wow. Because um, our
0: group basically has no rules right now other than yeah. it's like, you know, try try just be decent. So, I don't know.
1: Yeah. That doesn't um, work. <laughs> yeah. It, it doesn't work to just have a be decent because that means a lot of different things to, yeah,
0: it does. Uh, it to does. all of us. You have to be um, kind of specific, don't you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think that uh, that. Yeah, um, so some open-mindedness, definitely, but um, I would probably ask some questions um, when people ask to join, and I uh, have it that they agree to these, uh, to be polite and to, you know, like if a moderator, um, you know, take something down, don't argue with the moderators, you know, things like that, you know, some, some basic like group moderation stuff. Um, And then having like a a group of, of moderators so that if somebody does get upset, they can't say that, you know, John S. is a jerk and runs a terrible group because it's not just you um, deciding whether or not something, you know, got out of line or, or something along those lines. But, but yeah, I would get a a small group together to decide on, on some questions. And then that way, you know, if, if somebody doesn't like the way that the group is moderated, you know, they can look back and, and, uh, you know, be able to find a group that, uh, that moderates in a way that's more congruent with their thinking.
0: And you know, as a group grows, there's probably more of a need for it. We've got almost two thousand people in our group right. now, and it's a pretty active right. group. You know, yeah. and sometimes we get people that come in. I, the vast majority of people that come in are earnest and they're really interested yeah. in in this. But there are every once in a while you get someone who's just there to cause trouble. I, I yeah. pretty much am pretty good at spotting them and getting them out pretty quickly. Um, what I have an issue with is sometimes someone might post something. And other people are offended by it, and I don't think there's anything wrong with it at all. And then other mm-hmm. times, I see something that it kind of bugs me. I'll tell you what freaks me out: what I don't like and, and mm-hmm. pictures of Jesus freak me out. I don't know why. Yeah. I hate them, um, mm-hmm. you know. And and people will sometimes post like a funny comic of Jesus doing something, mm-hmm. and they just freak me out. I just don't like those. But um, but I know that people sometimes that are just being funny, you know. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. It just bugs me for some reason. Yeah.
1: Well, then you can put it in there. And and there are other groups that they can post their funny pictures of Jesus in. So that's the other thing is that it's like this isn't the only group out there. And if it doesn't suit you, then there are lots of groups. I guess Um, it's the
0: religion bashing that kind of bugs me. It's like, you know, yeah, I might even agree with you. I don't I'm not crazy about religion, but that's not really what this is about. You know, it's yeah. So that's that's almost like talking politics almost, you know. So okay, that was a good good points there. Oh, Joe has a comment. What's Joe have to say there? He says, "Can you imagine all those people at a conference? You mean the people yes. from the Facebook group? Yeah, that yes. would be funny. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. Yeah, I mean this is a nice group. I got I have to say, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that yeah. would be kind of fun. We should we should maybe think. <laughs> I don't know what. To yeah, I <laughs> yeah. uh, Give myself a trouble. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Do you have a question you want to ask?
1: Um, yours seem to be a a lot more fun, but I'll ask one that's, that's like, um, that's maybe difficult and might annoy you. Um, is there any passage or phrase in the big book that you still find helpful?
0: Oh boy. Let's see. Um, men and women drink essentially because they like the effect alcohol something along those lines from the doctor's opinion men and they drink we drink for the effect mm-hmm. and then after having had one um something happens in the bodily and mentally sense something along those lines but i can't you know it's it's i'm i'm kind of proud of myself i don't remember it verbatim anymore but i think that that <laughs> would be memorized a, i think that would be that would be a good one that um uh, from the doctor's opinion i guess that this comes to mind But, um, the, the other one that I don't even agree with anymore, but it does give me pause and causes me to think is selfishness, self-centeredness that we think is the root of our troubles. And, and it's like, you know, I have to be careful with that, I guess. I mean, Mm -hmm. that was something that I, um, relied on a lot in my, like my third, Mm -hmm. fourth year in the program and, in, in one sense, it was bad because I saw myself as a selfish bastard and right. I was beating myself up a little bit. But the, yeah. on the other hand, it was good because it did cause me to stop. And for, for it, was, it was just new for me to stop mm-hmm. and actually look at my reactions um, mm-hmm. and my relationships differently.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I think yeah. I would word it different now. Um, but
1: yeah, I think I would say something like we lacked self-awareness. Um, because, you know, there's a positive and, you know, and a negative to it, but, you know, that's what I think, you know, we were seeking is, you know, is some self-awareness. So both the positive and, uh, you know because a lot of us i know for me it was difficult for me to be able to list you know if i'd been asked a, a, you know a bunch of good things about myself um when i first got sober <laughs> i mean you know my sponsor had to work with me on um on not uh beating myself up like you yeah. know liter- literally she she you know tell me to um to stop um Putting myself down, and, yeah. and then I'd be like, "Yeah, that's stupid of me to put myself down." All sudden, and she'd be
0: no, like, I understand." You
1: know, so yeah, so I I do it. Right I often hear her.
0: women that will say, you know, that. Um, you know, they, they couldn't relate to the big book because it was written by these egotistical guys and everything. And they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're from where they were coming from. It was more that they needed some lift. They needed some self-esteem. Like yeah. I was the same damn way. I yeah. did not like myself. I had very low self-esteem. I was mm-hmm. very withdrawn. Um, I was, I was not the egotistical person. I was maybe egotistical in a different way, but I was not the power driver. I was not that type of a person at all. And, um, but unfortunately what I did is, um, I tried to fit into that concept, but yeah, I, that, that was a, that was a big, that was a deal for me too. And I, and I had to be, it was, and also suffering from depression, it was kind of a difficult deal to, to go through but yeah I, I'm with you on that I like that self-awareness lacking self-awareness self-awareness because that is true I mean I, I did I mean especially when I was drinking there wasn't there was really n- never any thought of you know um, why I'm reacting as I am you know there was never any introspection whatsoever you know when I was drinking I'm sure that's true for any of us so yeah that's a good question actually very good question Um, okay uh, here's kind of an interesting kind of could be a controversial question i suppose should a world services publish a new book that addresses the program of recovery uh yes you think so <laughs>
1: yeah i mean why not yeah uh, i mean they have a publishing house or you know, i know they're a publisher like, they're,
0: but they like, haven't they, published anything since 1970 like, something
1: yeah. yeah like why why shouldn't they it doesn't mean that you know that they have to like burn and destroy all the the old versions of of the book, you know. So yeah, I mean they could even just, you know, do a whole new book, you know, that's uh that's about Alcoholics Anonymous and, you know, and we won't refer to it as the big book. It'll you know, it'll be this book. Um but yeah. I think they would be that's smart more to do that. Yeah, more contemporary and, you know, talks a little bit more at least about, you know, what uh our, you know, the advancement and growth of understanding addiction or, you know, substance use disorder or whatever. I mean, we've come a long ways uh, since uh, the book was written. So, um, so yeah, and more contemporary stories, uh, you know. It of, would be so of, easy to uh, do. There are so stories. many yeah. talented
0: people in the fellowship. And yeah. they have the resources. They're, like you say, they're a publisher, right? They, they have the resources to do it. And why not? I mean, good God. I mean, and, and it could be written in such a way that um, it is more inclusive of everybody and, and in a more, more uh, modern language. And I mean, I could, just, I could just see it. But yeah, the last time they really published anything, I guess, that was addressing recovery was um, Living Sober, right? Mm-hmm. And that was in the 1970s, I guess the mid-70s or something along those lines. Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. So that's the last time. And I don't see any reason why they couldn't do something like that. The only thing they publish nowadays are um, pamphlets, you know, and nobody ever reads pamphlets. So, yeah, Yeah. I think that'd be a good idea. That'd be a good idea. And Joe says, who in the world would write it? That's a good question. How would that even be done?
1: Um, How how was it done in the, the first time? You know, it's, it's like a bunch of, uh, you know, several people. And then one person is kind of like the main person that tries to keep the voice together, but doesn't do a very good job of it. Um, but, yeah, you know, just, uh, you know, people, uh, people were very opinionated, you know, all of us. Um, and so, yeah, so we just all throw in what we think it should be and and they get some editors and piece it together and i mean it's just not that hard it's it's you could do it as like a
0: committee you could have like one main guy or girl or whatever write it and then they bring it to the committee you know another thing you could do is like do like a wiki you know put it on put it online and have people from all over the world um add to it you know, it could be like a living document. You can keep, just keep adding to it or something like that. You know, you could do both, you know, have a book that from a committee and you can do a wiki online or something like that. But, you know, it, there should be something other than the grapevine that, that gives voice to the fellowship today, you know, um, our current experience today. And uh, especially with the medium that we have now that where anybody can kind of write something, you know, so, right. but yeah, I, I think, I think that I think ideally it would be getting someone who knows how to write. Um, and getting a diverse group of people together who could um, come up with a nice book, you know, and then take it to the General Service Conference and have everybody, you know, go through it and uh, prove it, whatever. And there you go, get your book. I mean, the Grapevine publishes books all the time, so yeah, yeah, it can be done. Good question, good Joe. And um, yeah, interesting. I thought that I thought that's how you would answer that one. <laughs> Robert B., since AA claims not to be a religion, there's no reason not to update, revise the book since some claim it is only a guidebook. Some claim it's only a guidebook, yeah. Since AA claims not to be a religion, there's no reason not to update the book. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, you're right. I I see what you're saying because by, by, if you, if you're, if you're not, if you're a religion, then mm-hmm. like you can't change the bible right? yeah it's a sacred yeah. text yeah, so the bible, yeah it's not a sacred it's text like, yeah yeah if yeah if that's a good point
1: if they want to show that they're not a religion they would put out something yeah. you so would that you would evolve that
0: it's that it's over time a, with new information yeah, putting stuff out text. yeah yeah good point
1: so i mean you can have it as a historical document i think yeah uh, i agree i think most people would agree with that that it's you know useful for a historical document and and would be, uh, I pr- I probably would use it a lot more if that were the case. Uh, you know, I'd be like, oh, look back here, they thought this, you know, and this is how we think of it now, and blah, blah, blah. But um, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I do. I, I find it kind of weird that um, I don't use it anymore myself personally, and that my group doesn't use it. And I, and I, cause sometimes I have the feeling that nobody really uses it anymore, but I know that's not true. Every once <laughs> in a while, I'll run into somebody who thinks it's a great book. So, you know. Different yeah. strokes for different folks. Right. So
2: Yeah.
0: I would this is a good question. I my thoughts on this one, I don't know where I feel anymore, but what are your thoughts about anonymity? and, and I can't I have a hard time pronouncing.
1: It. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say eminem i I'm like, well, you know, he's an interesting rapper and he's yeah. No. Um Anonymity. So yeah, um it depends on what level we're talking about. Um I personally, um, talk about being in recovery and, um, and so like, um, on my sobriety anniversary, I will probably post something about it on my regular Facebook thing. Um, because I think it's important that people know that, uh, that it's possible. And, uh, if they're struggling somebody that they can talk to about it, um, As far as other people's, I I don't feel, or I I feel like I need to honor their anonymity as in, you know, not walk up to them at the grocery store and say, hey, that was a great meeting the other day, or, you know, or post something on their Facebook or anything like that. Um, And, you know, and I have uh, been around long enough to have people, you know, message me and ask me, how do you know this person or something like that? And I just generally say that we have mutual friends um, and uh, that kind of stuff it's it's usually pretty easy to you know because i belong to several anonymous groups not just uh 12-step groups um and uh yeah so in general i'm like just don't ask that if you come to one of my gatherings where they know me from ask them what they do or what do they enjoy in life or you know what's their ph- philosophy about soda pop i don't know um so so yeah so along those lines i i I do also think that um that you know not uh, the anonymity as far as you know press radio and films is in you know you and I don't claim that we are AA exactly. and so the stuff we discuss on here is you know is uh, the truth and we're the the voice um so I think it's still important to have it that you know that there's not one person a uh, celebrity or not who's the voice of of AA so in that uh instance you know I think that it's helpful but as far as, yeah, as far as, um, letting people know, you know, that are in my life or my community or whatever, I think that it's, it's my thing to decide whether I want to be anonymous or not. And for me, um, I don't. <laughs> so so yeah that's it's part of who i am it's a big part of who i am um you know not that that's the solely you know the thing i know that some people are like well this isn't just me it's like well yeah if i introduce myself with all the things i am you know i'm i'm a vegan dog owner you know what whatever i i mean there's lots of stuff that i am um I, I talk about this though because um a lot of people don't um and uh, and it uh, it can be difficult for people and, and cause emotional suffering, and you know, and so it's the same reason why I talk about relationship and difficulties in relationship because we don't talk about those um, in general, and so people suffer because they think that you know life's supposed to go a certain way and it's not going that way, and they don't know what to do. So, so yeah, I'm. I guess I'm just a loud mouth,
0: but I'm okay with that. <laughs> I tend to see it that way too. I mean, I'm, 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 <laughs>
1: I'm a loud mouth?
0: <laughs> No, no, no. I mean about anonymity, about kind of being like, I
1: know, I'm just messing with yeah, you. <laughs> being
0: open, like, you know, um, I'm, I'm still somewhat reserved, I guess, like I'm at work. I am, um, I tend not to post anything on my public Facebook page, but I'm getting a little bit looser with that now. Um, I, I, I don't think I would have too much of a problem at work. But that's not really the anonymity that they're talking about, you know. When I when I when I read the anonymity tradition, it's more about like I'm not being a promoter of AA, you know. And mm-hmm. and I, I I buy into that, you know. I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. out there to promote AA or say that I'm the person that knows about it, you know. And none of that or capitalize from it or anything like that. Um yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty anonymous, I guess. You know, on the podcast, I don't use my last mm-hmm. name. Uh, there's right. been a few times when my anonymity was broken, but that wasn't a big deal to me. Um, I don't know. I'm like what Ed says here. Let let uh, eliminate the stigma. Um, I, I I do believe that we should should be open when it makes sense to be open. You know, yeah. um, not not well, the high. You can just
1: say recovery. You know, it, it's yeah. really you know you don't have to say that you know you're a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, like. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, for me, sometimes it's been embarrassing, um, not because it's a, a, you know, meeting for alcoholics, but because of this, the, you know, uh, religious um, aspect. So that's actually been, you know, the, the main times that I've not shared, you know, a, about it or that I've been worried about it or whatever is because of the, you know, what people think about AA, and most of the people that I associate with do not think highly of it. Um, so, so yeah, so I just say recovery, and uh, or I'll say like twelve step, you know, uh, community, which can be anything, and uh, you know, because there's twelve step groups for what whatever you want. Um, so yeah, so I I, I don't know, I, I just don't think that it's uh, it's that that big deal. I've seen it carried America. too far
0: sometimes and it's, and it's, it gets kind of um, tricky with the internet too, I guess, but I'm, I'm, I'm much more comfortable and relaxed with it than I ever used to be. Um, so yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a militant person one way or the other with it, but I do believe strongly with, um, with um, confidentiality and respecting mm-hmm. someone's, what someone says in an AA meeting. And like you said, don't mm-hmm. go outing them as, a, as someone that's an AA and that kind of thing. Joe says, I know several people that have business cards and it says recovery coach. Well, recovery coach is becoming a thing now. Mm -hmm. Um, I was actually talking to, I did a podcast with somebody from Connecticut. We just posted episode 181 and he um, decided to use his time um, during quarantine to um, become a recovery coach and take classes. And it Mm -hmm. is kind of interesting. They have a program here in Missouri too. They call it peer to peer something. Anyway. Yeah. Um yeah I I I kind of think it's a good thing to do. I mean, I think I might mm-hmm. be interested in doing that. Um I don't know if I would actually be a recovery coach, but I think it would be yeah. interesting to learn about it and get and gain some skills that way. But it's actually yeah. kind of a good thing that states are doing that. So what's happening is uh the, the states are actually certifying people as recovery coaches. And so these people they actually get some some training too, you know, so they they take they take the course work and then they have to do some field work but basically all it does it gives you like um it helps that person be a good peer support for another person in right. recovery you know
1: yeah yeah, no, I, I think it's I think it's interesting because I've considered it as well because it's basically what I do. I just <laughs> don't get paid for it. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it would be great uh, um, in the sense that it would give some of these people who do sponsor um, some actual training and how to you know work with other people in a way that um, is not emotionally coercive or um, possibly you know abusive. Um, so I, I think it's a good idea, although. Um, I think that, you know, there's been some difficulty uh, within the counseling sector on, you know, what these positions are and what they mean. Um, But I I think they're going to become more prevalent uh, because it is a way to get more people help um, for a lower cost. So just like, you know, nurse practitioners and you know, um, that kind of stuff are going to become more prevalent um, because they'll go to places and and do the kind of care that um, somebody with a PhD, or, I mean a MD, can't afford to do because they're paying off school loans. Um, so yeah, so I, I think it's going to be used more in that aspect, um, and yeah. it, they are using them in like the emergency rooms and things yep, like that, that's right. um, having that's right. people go, whereas they don't, you yeah. know, allow. AA plus you can't say it. <laughs> you know, right. I'm here with AA to help so and so. Um, you know, but a peer recovery coach could do that. So
0: yeah. now Tracy has a question I think that you're gonna be better at answering than me, but are there any non recovery resources, authors, books, podcasts, et cetera, that you turn to for inspiration and insight? I know that you do.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I listen to a lot of them, um, so I'm trying to pick a, a couple. Um, I like Being Well with um, Rick Hansen and Forrest Hansen. Um, he's a, a, a psychiatrist, I believe, um, and it it uh, integrates a lot of mindfulness um, with neurobiology and, uh, and so that's been very helpful to me to understand that, um, that connection and it's, you know, and I like the science behind how he explains some mindfulness concepts so it, it helps me to because I, I have like a little woo uh, factor in my mind that when I hear some things I'm like oh is that woo woo and, uh, and I, you know um, yeah. <laughs> and so I'm like I'm not putting any sort of rocks you know on different parts of my body to try to heal myself Um, but that's not, not what it's like. So I I really like, um, I like that. Um, I, you know, I look at a lot of stuff on, on trauma. So, um, I like, uh, what is it, Gabor Mate and uh, Peter Levine, Waking the Tiger. Um, I like uh, The Body Keeps the Score with uh, Dr. Van Der Kolk. Um, Those are some of the things, uh, the books and stuff. Um, Alanis Morissette, I've mentioned it before, she has a podcast called uh, Conversation with Alanis, and she has a lot of experts On there, um, including I think all of the people that I just mentioned, uh, maybe not Vander Kolk, um, where she talks with them about different aspects of um, uh, not necessarily recovery, but um, betterment or, you know, uh, mental health. Stuff or relationship or, you know, all of those things that, that I guess some people would consider in the spiritual realm. And she, you know, and I think she uses, um, spiritual language when she's talking about it quite a bit. But, um, but, you know, I, I'm able to translate, so I, <laughs> it doesn't bother me. Um, but yeah, I really like her, um, her podcast as far as, uh, uh, you know, a betterment or, um, or whatever, that kind of stuff
0: something I'm doing now it's not really um, in the way of like recovery stuff but um, I'm taking a course right now on Coursera that I'm enjoying mm-hmm. it's, it's about writing and I' I'm, and I'm reading a book about r- trying to improve my writing and oh yeah it kind of helps me I, I mean I like doing it. it just gives me something to do that takes me out of it's something I want to get better at anyway I'm interested in it and I and when I'm focusing on that I don't really think about you know the the clamor of the world and all of that. Right, so.
1: right. Yeah. A, a book in that area that I like is uh, The War of Art. Um, it's like breaking through the blocks and when your inner creativity battles um, by Stephen Pressfield. Oh, that sounds and, good. Uh, yeah. And so, you know. so I'm that's reading right I
0: now. Read I'm reading On Writing Well it. by William Zinser. Uh, yeah. Have you read yeah. that?
1: I've heard of it, but yeah. I haven't read it. It's no. kind of good.
0: Well, we've gone over an hour. That's pretty good. Um, yeah, it's been fun. Go. I've enjoyed this conversation. I hope that uh, you all, and, and thank you for your comments. Thank you for the call, Fred. Um, those were great questions and comments that came from the YouTube um, and Facebook chat. That's really great. Um, it's kind of fun to to have this opportunity to spend this uh, evening with you guys and um, have this, uh, have a little meeting and have a little party. <laughs> So there we go. (laughs) We're going to dance ourselves on out of here. That's it. Another episode. We'll be back again next week. And uh, of course, I'll be posting some other episodes here during the week as well. So y'all take care. Have a good night. We'll be back again next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.